everybody and welcome to our leadership series on the sofa with Angie. This is a special edition and to coincide with Breast Cancer Awareness Month and it's my honour today to welcome Di Hart who is the Senior Finance Manager of Microsoft. Uh, so a very warm welcome Di, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, thank you for having me. So Di, you're in remission from stage four breast cancer, which is usually seen as terminal. Uh, congratulations. And we'd love to hear some more about your journey. Yes, of course. Um, so I was initially diagnosed um, in 2015 with breast cancer in November. Um, I, I found it by accident, actually. Um, and I made an appointment to go and see the doctor. It was obviously, you know, it was concerning enough for me to make that appointment. But on the day of the doctor's appointment, I do remember sitting in a meeting and the meeting was running over. I was thinking, oh, you know, maybe I should postpone the doctor's appointment. You know, it'll wait till next week. Um, and something said to me, not this time, you know, don't, don't leave it. So I, I went to the doctor's surgery, the GP, and showed him. And he was, you know, he had a look and he looked underneath my arm and, and then he left the room and he came back um, and it turned out he cancelled his next appointment and he sat down and, uh, you know, he said, Di, it doesn't look great. And I said to him, well, you know, how can you tell? And he said, well, we can tell. Um, so I'm going to set you up for some appointments, um, you know, to go and get it checked out. So the GP had started to, um, you know, put those ideas into my head that this might be something a little bit more serious um, and two weeks later I ended up in hospital went through um, biopsies and you know scans um, and at the end of that day I was in there all day and at the end of the day I sat in front of the registrar and she said I'm really sorry um, but you've got breast cancer and I you know I remember I remember it like it was yesterday and um, it was probably the most shocking thing I think anybody's ever said to me I, I I just you know I wasn't even thinking about you know the words coming out of her mouth I was just in shock um and I said to well you know <laughs> typical me you know well honest you know out of 100 percent you know how sure are you and she said we're 95 percent sure so you know I went off and um you know got an appointment with my oncologist and then just ended up on this conveyor belt of um you know um the diagnosis you know they had to do some more testing some more scanning to make sure that it hadn't spread um and then I went into treatment six rounds of of chemotherapy um some monoclonal antibody treatment as well uh, I had an operation to remove the tumour um, and breast reconstruction and then uh, radiotherapy. And I was back at work after four days, four days after radiotherapy. Um, and what I hadn't considered, I guess, was the mental health issues that ensued after. Um, you know, I just thought life would go back to normal. The doctor had given me the all clear. Everything was fine. Um, you know, I went back to work. My father was sick. He'd had a stage four diagnosis two weeks after me. So we were actually having chemotherapy together. Um, you know, his he was going downhill quite quickly. Um, and, you know, in my own mind, I just thought life could go back to normal. And then in August 2018, I had a cough that wouldn't go away. Um, and my partner said to me, you know, I think we need to get this checked out. 
so I went back to the oncologist I'd happened to have an appointment with her two weeks after I came back off holiday and said I've got this cough I think it's a summer cold you know otherwise I feel fine um and she said let's just check it out anyway so I remember the two weeks later I went back for an appointment with her my partner Richard came with me and we were sat down and um you know she said to me Di how are you feeling and I said well you know the cough's a little bit better so I, I'm feeling okay and she said oh it's not great news I'm afraid the cancer spread um and you have a, a four and a half centimeter tumor in your lung and lots of lesions in both lungs and we think it's in the bones as well um and again <laughs> you know it was just uh, absolutely devastating and I just remember you know the tears streaming down my face and I looked over at my partner and um he was holding my hand and crying because you know we both knew that that potentially you know could be well it was life-threatening you know, um, it was absolutely life threatening. And there was no questions that came out from that to the oncologist at the time, just this is what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to give you the same drugs we gave you last time. It's not curable, but it's treatable. You need to go home and put your affairs in order. And uh, we'll just keep using the drugs until they stop working. And then that that's kind of it. So, um, so, you know, again, <laughs> going home and I thought to myself, I can't deal with this the same way as I dealt with it last time, you know, which was just to take the doctor's advice, kind of go onto this, onto this conveyor belt and just, you know, just kind of ignore it and just, just get on with the treatment. Uh, so as it happened, um, two weeks after the diagnosis, I was due up to see um, a gentleman called Matt Hampson. Um, Matt Hampson uh, went down in a, in a scrum and he's now par paraplegic um, and he runs a centre up in Melton Mowbray uh, for other athletes that have been paralysed and they do a lot of, you know, physiotherapy and, um, you know, a lot of a lot of help with their mental health as well. And I remember going up to see Matt there was a group of us because we'd done a lot of charity work for him and you know he's he's there and he's in his wheelchair and a big grin on his face as he always does uh he's just an amazing man really amazing and he said uh you know we had a chat and we and we talked about my diagnosis and he said you know what, you've only got two choices you know you can either live um or you can you can spend the rest of of, of your life dying you know um so I went home and I thought, you know, that's it. So I stopped working. Um, work had been amazing. Yeah, Microsoft have been absolutely fantastic over it. They're just amazing. Very lucky. And uh, I went home and did a lot of research, um, almost to the point where I was falling asleep at night. I was talking to people all over the world who had my kind of breast cancer, who had gone into remission with stage four. Uh, very few of them, I might add, but but there were cases of that happening. I read books, anything I could get my hands on, and basically started kind of formulating almost like a, a bit of a, a strategy around what my, um, you know, what my therapy would be aside from, you know, what the oncologist was going to put me through. Part of that journey was things like, you know, when you go in, I don't want you to take a biopsy from the tumor. Can we do it from the lymph gland that's in the lung rather than kind of going directly in? And so I started just to educate myself and having conversations that made me feel empowered. Uh, it didn't always go down very well with the with the medical staff, I can tell you. But, um, you know, in the in the most, I felt like I was a little bit more in control. 
So then I built my own protocol, basically, based off what made sense to me and where there was scientific evidence to back it to say that it helped. Um, and, you know, I'm really happy to sit here today and say that I have no evidence of disease, um, which is just amazing. Um, I still have to have treatment every three weeks. Um, and again, you know, the oncologists will probably say it's the drugs, even though they were... Uh, they were very clear with me that the drugs were there to maintain the cancer and to stop it from growing until it stopped working. Um, but for me, I think that everything else that I did, whether that was just a placebo effect in my mind um, or not, I don't know. And I don't, I don't quite frankly, I don't care about the results, uh, about the way, the method that it, that it happened. Uh, what I care about is the results that we've got. And I'm absolutely just over the moon. Well, wow, what a, an incredible uh, journey and, and also heartbreaking as well. And I really admire your strength, your resilience um, and determination to to overcome, um, you know, what what could have been a, a terminal um, disease. Um, so so congratulations. And I think that's that for other women out there who are suffering from breast cancer, who may think, you know, that it's terminal or that there's no light at the end of the tunnel. I think you are such a, a, an inspiration and to, you know, you're, you're back at work, you're radiant, and glowing, full of positivity. So obviously you're, you're back now working full-time at Microsoft um, after a, an incredible uh, recovery. Um, how has your approach to self-care and looking after your own well-being changed? So um, I think from my perspective, I've, I have had to relook at the whole thing. I mean, coming back into work, it's it's been a little bit easier for me because I've been off for 18 months. So coming back into work, work is kind of now, I've had to try and, you know, fit my self-care and my work into a schedule for the week. Um, and I think beforehand, if someone said to me, you know, why are you not, why are you not exercising or, you know, preparing your food? You know, I was quite overweight. I would live off lattes and, and muffins and probably be working 60 hours a week. Um, now I like to think that I work smarter. I get a good night's sleep every night. I exercise, you know, three, four times a week now. I run 5K, um, you know, every time I go go for a run. Um, I prepare my food. Um, you know, I'm, I'm quite careful now over what my body needs um, in order for me to be able to uh, be happy and have a good life. And so I think what that has entailed is getting to know myself. What are the things that I need to do to make sure that I'm healthy? What are the things I need to do to make sure that I'm happy? You know, and we all know with work and family and partners and husbands and children that we need to compromise. But I think it's very, very important that we schedule it in. You know, if it's important to me, there is no excuse. I don't tell myself now. I don't have time. I find the time. I schedule it in. If I have to say no to people and create boundaries and say to people, I don't, you know, I can't do that because I have to do X, Y, and Z. Can we put it off till next week? You know, that's okay. People tend to understand. I've surrounded myself with strong people who support me. You know, they have no agenda other than my happiness and support my choices. Um, and I think that for me has been the most important 
you know, the imp most important things that I do. Look back on the week and just check yourself, you know, make it a priority to just check. Are you doing the right things for yourself? So thanks, Di. And you, you've highlighted a, a topic that's very relevant, um, which is the importance of self-care and actually creating those routines and carving the time out for yourself so that you can keep yourself um, healthy. Um, what advice would you give to yourself as sort of pre-breast cancer? Well, I think, you know, again, going back to getting to know myself better, um, I think I was so busy self, you know, serving other people that I forgot about myself. Um, and I think, you know, I knew myself, but it was a quite a thin veneer. <laughs> Um, when I actually delve down into, you know, what makes me tick, what makes me happy, what, what, you know, what, what kind of things inspire me, you know, how am I still, how do I still want to grow? Um, how can I bring my best self to work? How do I make myself the best partner, you know, to Richard? How do I, you know, be the best mom? All of those things kind of, um, I had to question myself about. Um, and I wish I'd done that a long time ago, I think. I also think I wish I'd been braver. Um, you know and to understand that it's okay to have boundaries it's okay to say no you know this option's not for me or thank you for the for the opportunity but but this is not what I want to do and being a little bit more you know direct directive with my um, with my with my career um, and that goes in in for your private life as well you know whether it's your partner or your children or your friends or family um, you know, I think boundaries are a good thing. I see them as a really positive thing now, um, rather than a, oh, no, I don't really want to upset them. And I, you know, I, I kind of want to make sure that, you know, everybody else is happy. Um, and unfortunately, the only person that suffers there is yourself. Um, and I remember being told yeah, by my counsellor, I went through some counselling, especially in the beginning. Um, and she said to me, you know, Di, when you're on an airplane, and they say to you, you know, put your own oxygen mask on before you put, you know, before you help anybody else. There's a reason for that. Um, and to this day now, one of the things that I say is it makes me a better person. Looking after myself actually makes me sharper at work, a better colleague, a better mother, a better partner. So everybody's a winner. Right. So um, I think that's what I tell myself. Absolutely. And, and it's so important as well to in order to be able to give to others you have to give to yourself first so that you can share uh, and be there to support other people absolutely thank you um so our final question for today is uh what advice would you give to other women who are suffering from breast cancer well i think you know everyone's different um everyone takes you know takes the news differently um and the initial approaches are very different so i can only talk about my experience but I think it's a huge shock you know it's a huge shock I mean I think the numbers I was given was 48 now 50,000 women in the UK are diagnosed with breast cancer every year and of those 50,000 women 48 and a half thousand have breast cancer and their mothers never had it so that means only 1500 of those those women have had breast cancer because their mother has had breast cancer and I found that shocking. I found it really shocking because I, you know, thought I wasn't in the danger category. So the shock initially for me, um, you know, once I'd got through the shock, one of the things I did was I contacted Macmillan 
and breast cancer now who are amazing um, just to help me understand and navigate, you know, um, you know, what kind of things would happen to me, the kind of drugs I was taking, what effect they would have on me. It also covered off things like my family, you know, um, I, th- I think it's not just about you, you know, you, you have to then break the news to children, you have to, you know, speak to your partner, you know, your partner suffers as, as well as a result of that. So I think, you know, those kind of organisations can cover a plethora of things and give you an inordinate an amount of support. Um, Counselling as well was another thing. I mean, you might not, you know, some people don't really don't want to kind of go down that route and everyone has their own personal choice um in the beginning I was quite skeptical um but actually it really helped me to again come back to understanding myself and what my needs were which were you know turned out to be amazingly important um and then there's another another thing that you could do is, is to read and there's an amazing lady out there called Sophie Savage and she's written two books one of them's called uh, Cancer Whisperer and the other one's called Life Shocks and she she was diagnosed with lung cancer six years ago. She was given six months to live and she's still here today. So, you know, again, um, she kind of talks about the process that you go through. And I found it extremely comforting to know that, A, there was other people out there that had been in this situation and were feeling the same way as I did. Um, but secondly, that there were options out there. You know, there was options and choices and answers to questions that the doctors weren't giving me so I think again you know go out and try and as difficult as it is you know go out and 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 educate yourself and again it's time for boundaries because you know I had a lot of people when I was like no I'm going to research this I'm going to go off and I'm I'm going to find and see if there's another way you know people are tilting their head and you know you kind of really need to you know um, accept your diagnosis and everybody's got an opinion Um, and I think again sometimes it becomes about other people's needs rather than your your needs you know how how they feel about it um and again it's 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 you know never normally with malice but it's very very important again to create those boundaries and keep yourself on the track that makes sense to you um and and if you listen to yourself it's there you know it's absolutely there so that would be my advice and reach out to other women there's there's so many of us out there that are absolutely willing to have a conversation with you um and just to listen you know um because we we understand we've been there so thank you so much and and, and great advice there as well for anyone that um has been diagnosed with breast cancer is to you know use reach out to people to the charities to counselors friends family um and other people who have also been diagnosed and because they will actually help and support you um, so thank you so much, Di. It's been an absolute honour speaking to you today and very sort of heartwarming. I think, you know, you are such an inspiration and, and you, you know, you are proof that you can overcome um, these diseases, you know, and, and actually you're, you're so positive and the, the picture of health now. So congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Angie. Thank you.